0: These are the opening lines of Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, a novel set during the French Revolution. Perhaps you thought it applied to today, because it seems like it, doesn't it, in many ways. And thinking about these world words, it's made me thoughtful about a few events that have taken place as of late. Perhaps you've heard that Elizabeth II, the Queen of England, has died. She was 96. She reigned as queen for 70 years. That's a lot of staying power. And think about this. Most of us in this room have never lived without a queen of England. In fact, my daughter Bailey confided in me this week. She was very upset that there's no more queen. I think she was hoping in her romantic heart that maybe she could fill that job somewhere down the line. But that's a different story. But here's the question. It seems like a pretty significant event, does it not? And yet how does it really impact most of us here? Not a whole lot. How does it impact reality now, and how is it going to impact Eternity. It's also September 11, and 21 years ago, planes ran into the Twin Towers in New York City, our Pentagon, another plane in a field taken down by the passengers, and I think it's Pennsylvania. But well, that's a little more close to home, is it not? It impacted us. It certainly has impacted our security as you go through, if you go through an airport. It's impacted our U.S. foreign policy. Uh, The war on terror in Afghanistan. Physical injury, and maybe even mental injury, and lost loved ones who've served in the military. And you know what I remember, though, 21 years ago? When that happened, Churches being full on Sunday because people were looking for hope. They were looking for to trying to figure out what's going on here. But you know what's interesting is that's kind of emptied out now. Where's that urgency? About wondering what it's all about. About what affects the here and now and what affects eternity. And then <laughs> the last couple years, the COVID-19 event. It impacted our lives in many profound ways, masking, social distancing, businesses and schools being shut down, church attendance, canceling events, disagreements over vaccination and treatment. And we asked the question, would it ever be the same? And we lived through it. But I asked the question, how's that impacting right now? And more importantly, how's that impacting eternity." And I could talk about the war in Ukraine currently, the upcoming election, the Viking Packers game. But I ask the question again, how's that impacting right now and ultimately eternity? You see, we may see these as the best of times. We may see these as the worst of times. But, folks, for all of us right now, it, they're the only times we got. You and I will only pass this way once. Is it appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment? There's no recycling. And through all these events, which, by the way, past generations have experienced many, much like we have, the change of world leaders. Wars and conflict, good times and bad, financial ups and downs, health crises, political change, joy and sorrow. The question is, as God's people, how now will we live? How now will we live? To impact, yes, the right now, but to also impact eternity. What can we do on purpose to impact those things? Here at Berean we have what we call our three P's. Our mission statement, because this is what we're setting out to do. To pursue God. To prepare people. And to proclaim Christ. That's what we are about. And it's all rooted in God's Word. What we believe are His priorities for His people and all purpose, as I said, to make an impact for life today, and into eternity. So indeed, this is, we're starting a new ministry year, and just like so many ministries, so many, uh, you know, sports teams, whatever, what have you, we're going back to basics. So what you're going to hear today is a very basic sermon. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dig in to our three Ps today. So Lord God, I thank you, first of all, as we have confess, there is nothing better than you. Second of all, you have all of history in your your hands, all time in your hands, and you're going to bring it to your right conclusion. But you, in this season, on this stage of life, you've given us this opportunity to serve you, to be your people. So would you help us to live on purpose? Would you help us, Lord, to live for your kingdom and make an impact right now? and for all of eternity. And so, Lord Jesus, our great shepherd of the sheep, the one who has given us eternity through your sacrifice and through your life living in us, we ask this in your name. Amen and amen. p one Pursuing God. Genesis 1-1. One, one. In the beginning, God. God before time, God of eternity present, God of eternity future. There was nothing without Him. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. He created the heavens and the earth. He created all there is. And then He said, within the community of the Godhead, of the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Let us create man in our image. I don't know if you have pondered that thought. But you and I are made in His image. We are His image bearers. No other creature bears that distinction. And within that, he set us up as his crown of creation to give give us dominion over creation. He set us over all the creation of the earth. And he wanted to have fellowship with us. He came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He pursued us. He made us in his image. He made us to have relationship with our creator. In the beginning, God. God. That's one of the reasons why we pursue him, because he is our maker. He made us to have a relationship with him. And then you know the bad news, if you know the story. We chose to rebel against him. We chose to disobey. We chose to do our own thing. And like a tabloid scandal, suddenly men and women were removed from the presence of God. It was like a great divorce. No longer having access to him face to face. No longer walking with him in the cool of the day. We lost that unfiltered presence with him. And in fact, (laughs) thousands and thousands of years later, that memory for many has faded. And yet there is an echoing in each one of our souls to know him. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says, He has put eternity in our hearts because He is an eternal being. And it echoes out. Something needs to fill this eternal gap. And we're trying to shove something else in there oftentimes, but it can only be filled by the living God. But the rest of this story is. God's salvation story about how he reveals himself, how he pursues us in order that we might have relationship with him again, in order that we might pursue him. And within that story, God calls people to himself and he commands us to make him the priority. And so when God comes to redeem us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are people testing him. They didn't believe him. They didn't take him at his word. And some people said, So, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment there is? And Jesus responds like this. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and all of your strength. Love Him with everything you've got. Make Him the priority of your life. Pursue Him. And think about how this breaks down. To love Him with your heart. That is with your emotions, your passions, your affections to put the living God first and foremost in your heart. Make Him the, the first priority. And all other allegiances take a back seat. And that's even good things like family or national identity or even the possessions that he's blessed us with. To value him above all else. Because somewhere I heard a song that says, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Is that true? Is that true? We'll talk about that here in a minute. We're to love him with all of our soul our very self, our very identity, to value God and Christ in light of who He is, who He has made us, especially in Christ. I love the Lord Jesus for what He has done. Coming to pay a price we couldn't pay. Conquer a foe we couldn't conquer. Live the life we couldn't live. But you know what's more amazing? is the fact that when we put our faith in Him, it changes everything in us. We become His children. We become a new creation. We are His people. We are His workmanship. His Holy Spirit actually comes to dwell within us. That's an amazing thought. And we're to honor Him with our very selves, with our bodies. We were bought with a price. And so within that, when I think about loving him with my soul, do I say, I am God's, I am Christ's. At my work, at my play, in the marketplace, in my free time, in my relationships, and even when no one is looking. Because it's who I am, it's who he has made me. And then to love him with your mind, what you think about what you dwell upon. Do you think about God a lot? Do you think about God a lot? Because there are lots of other things that are vying for our attention, aren't there? Advertisements, media, our work, what have you. And it's easy to crowd him out. And then when we are thinking about God, what's informing that? Because everyone has their opinion, right? It might be people on YouTube. It might be popular culture. It might be some expert. There are a lot of experts out there, by the way. And they're not all saying the same thing. Or is it what God has said about himself in his word? Is it what his word says, or is it what this world says? Because I'm going to tell you, if we're listening to the world, it's going to lead us astray. You know, there's a reason why we call ourselves Bereans. And some people may feel like it's a trivia question. But it comes out of Acts 17, verse 11. Because the gospel is spreading to, you know, the Roman world. But there are lots of gospels. There are lots of spiritual things taking place in the Roman Empire. Right? Right? And Paul's bringing this good news, this gospel, to the people in Berea. And they're excited. They, it says that they received the message with eagerness. They were excited about what Paul was sharing about Jesus, but they also looked in the Scriptures to see that these things were so. See, we, 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 want, to, we want to receive the message of what God is doing with excitement, with eagerness, but we also have the Word of God to guide us and make sure we're not entering into error, we're not entering into falsehood. It helps us worship God with our mind and worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the messages we should be listening to are coming from people who have been informed by God's Word. Folks, I want to tell you something. I find it interesting when when somebody says, man, you really preach right from the Word of God. And I tell people, I don't have anything else to share if I don't have that. I'm not that creative. But it's also, I don't have anything to share because there's nothing else that's worth sharing besides that. That's why we're Bereans. That's why we do the things we, we do here at Berean. And we should love the Lord our God with all of our mind, informed by what He has told us about Himself. And then last of all, with all of our strength, with all of our energy, with all of our effort, with all of our resources, show me what you spend your time, energy, finances on, and I'll show you what you value and what you love. What you're willing to pour yourself into is what you love. Sometimes we have this, I call it a Lionel Richie version of love. We think it's easy like Sunday morning. We think it's just, you know, hey, if I love God, everything's just going smoothly. It'll be easy. Tell that to Jesus, who in love and obedience went to the cross for us. Tell that to the Apostle Paul, whose life was anything but an easy, good life. But it was a good life in a different sense, that he loved the Lord God with all himself. I'm going to tell you, folks, if you want to love God well, with all of your strength, it's going to cost you something. But are you willing to be spent for that? Is it worth something investing in the right now and for all of eternity? I'm going to tell you it is. And many of us are going to tell you it is, as will the witnesses that have followed Jesus, who said, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Taking up your cross does not sound easy. Just something to think about. So let's stop for a second, because it almost might sound like God is a bit of an egomaniac. Why does he command us to love him with all of our heart? Soul, mind, and strength. Is he insecure? Is he, you know, what's his, What is he self-serving? No, it gets back to what I said at the beginning. In the beginning, God, he made us to know him. And he knows that we can only be satisfied with him. There's nothing better than you. And that's a popular Christian worship song. How about some scripture? Psalm 16, 2. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, and apart from you I have no good thing. And I know if you've been here at Breen, you've heard that over and over from me. And it's my life verse. But I experienced that, folks, in brokenheartedness. I experienced that in disappointment in this life and found that joy was found in him. And so I will preach it until they kick me out of the pulpit here at Berean. But that's why God says, love me with all those things. Because only I can satisfy you. Jesus says, look, I came to give you life. And give it abundantly. Give it to the full. It may not look like what we think is the abundant life. But it does come to fill our souls. Both now and through eternity. That's why God commands us. He made us, in his image, he made us for himself. And also, I don't know if you're captured by the story of salvation. But the truth is, he has pursued us himself in order that we might pursue him. God, in the person of Jesus Christ, gets into the muck and enters history. In this broken world where all the stuff I named at the very beginning was taking place. Change of leaders, political unrest, famine, all those things. He enters into that that mess to pursue us. As John, 1 John 4.10 4.10 says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. When we get to Christmas, I'm always in awe to think that God entered history. And he did it to pursue us. But he pursued us so that we could pursue him. He vividly revealed himself in Christ. He gives us eternal life, and he does so out of his love. One other thing I, wanna, I just want to touch on, because this is true, and I, I you know, kind of a 30,000-foot uh, view of all the things I'm saying here. But love of God is also connected with love of others, because they are made in the image of God. Again, Jesus will say at the, at the same encounter, the second great commandment, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. His love is the impetus. Back to 1 John 4, verses 19-21. through 21. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and their sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And He has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. There's a disconnect when we say we love God, but we hate our brother and sister. We hate those who are made in the image of Christ. But Christ's love compels us. He's one who gives us the ability to love one another. And within this, within this pursuing God, it brings empowerment. Through abiding with him, because we don't have the ability in ourselves. Jesus will say this in John 15, verses 4 through 5. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear uh, fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then he goes on to say, He who remains in me will bear lasting fruit, fruit that will last through eternity. And here's the thing, trying to love God, trying to love others, trying to do that without actually abiding in Him and connecting with Him and trusting Him is impossible. It's like trying to light a room with a lamp, electric lamp, that is not plugged in. It may look okay during the day, but when the night comes, It reveals the lack of power. It's only through Christ working in us that this can happen. Last thing I want to say about this, about pursuing God, is one of the aspects that we can pursue God is in the aspect of Christ's body. Because Christ, if you're in Christ, Christ is in you. And we get to experience that in each other. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 15 through 16 Instead of, speaking, instead of speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, more mature. Uh, the the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. One of the ways we can pursue God is actually in fellowship in interacting with one another, and letting the Christ in you speak to the Christ in me. And as we talked about last week, if you're here in the, sermon, in the sermon, we are like coastal redwoods who are next to each other and interlocking our roots to hold each other up. It's a way that God wants to meet us. And if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and review last week's message. But... Christ wants to meet you in his body. So I ask the question, is there something that is getting in the way of you pursuing God? Do you have rivals in your heart for your affections, in your soul, an identity that's outside of Christ, in your mind that you're thinking about, in your strength, you're giving your energy to something else? Is it lack of love for a brother or a sister What's one thing you can do this year to take that next step of pursuing God? It might mean more time in His Word. And I would say this. I wouldn't increase your content. I'd increase your meditating on the Word and taking it in. And then obeying it. Because that's where God's Word comes alive. Maybe it's more time in prayer. Great. But sometimes you need to stop talking in order to hear Him whisper back to you. And perhaps the purpose is not to get what you want, but to get Him. And be prepared to be changed. Because when you actually meet with the living god he does change us and always we can engage christ as we engage each other we can be challenged we can be encouraged we can be loved and we can care for be cared for and we need to turn around and do the same it's not a one way street but whatever you do stick with it because the lord wants to have An abiding impact on today and eternity. Preparing people. And this comes out of what we call the Great Commission. Matthew uh, 28, verses 19-20. through Go, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So, in this Great Commission, this is what I call the discipleship aspect of this. That is, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And it may seem backwards because, well, doesn't it start with becoming a disciple, becoming a believer? We'll talk about that here in a minute. Yes. But here's something I want to tell you. Disciples are made, not born. Disciples are made and not born. When you first put your faith in Christ, you don't automatically know how to follow Him. You don't automatically know how to live your life before the living God and how to bring every aspect of your life under the headship of Christ. It is a lifelong process. And I'm still in process. And you're still in process. So, this is a, an aspect where we're learning to do this. And, and let me say this of, of, to our older saints, just a word of encouragement. We need for you to engage us, us younger whippersnappers, and tell us about the process that you're in right now and where you've been. And maybe people are not ready to listen, but we need that. We need to hear from you who are ahead of us. Because we need your life experience to speak into the process that we're in right now. It's also for equipping for faith and maturity. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28. He is the one talking about Jesus. We proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So yes, there is that that moment of putting faith in Christ and all that he's done. His life, death, and resurrection. But it's also following Him and growing up in Him, in His character. In His character. Becoming more like Christ. That's part of the, the maturity process. A couple of opportunities you actually have here at Breen Community Church that we're trying to do purposefully are in our adult uh, Sunday schools. Jesus and everyday people. I'm going to tell you, if you will take that seriously, about how Jesus engaged people, the King of Eternity, and and you see how He does it, you cannot help be challenged, and even changed by that. To see how the Lord of, of glory comes, and speaks to people who seemed untouchable. So that's one way that can happen. Also, a little bit later this year, after the, um, the Bridges class, we're going to have a class called The Meaning of Marriage, which is based on um, Tim Keller's book of the same title. But let's face it, marriage is not there to make you happy. It's there to make you holy, right? Because it reveals to you all your selfishness. It reveals to you all the things that you uh, maybe are holding on to yourself and your expectations, But if you will allow it to, in Christ, it can transform you and make you more like Him. So I would encourage you to be a part of that class a little bit later this year. We're trying to do the same thing in our Awana class, our youth groups, our Bible studies, our Life Together groups. But we are being grown into men and women who are more like Jesus. And then there's the equipping for works of service. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets and the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the full unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become more mature. There's that maturity aspect. Attaining to the whole measure of the uh, fullness of Christ to do the ministry. So, certainly, this has to do with some of the gifts that each one of us have. But some of this is about being equipped. It may be me being equipped with a skill you don't have. And that skill may be just, it may seem very spiritual, or it might be just very practical. You know, something that's very cool, and you don't see it probably, but I do, as I watch the young men who are working with our YouTube broadcast, Ian Curran, Simeon Murray, young men who are being equipped to make get this message out, something they probably never had before. I think that's so cool. They're being equipped for the body, for service. Some of you who have mowed our lawn here, maybe you've never used a zero-turn mower. Maybe you never want to ever again. But you're being equipped and being given a gift, to be equipped to to serve our our body, our property. You know you know what? I got equipped to handle a lot of copier problems being in a, in a church office, because the church secretary said, "Hey, let me show you how to get this paper unjammed. Right? But there's some gifts and some equipping that, that happen sometimes in just serving. I think of Michael Clapp. I think of Reagan Heckman. I think of Kelly um, Snell. Thank you. Who are you know, being equipped to head up our, our nursery in Little Lands. So they're being, they're being equipped along the way, being given some skills. Perhaps they didn't have Before at least some some categories of how to engage. And there's an opportunity also again with our adult Sunday school, with our bridges class. And you're you're not too late for that, by the way. But it is a class that's designed to help to learn how to engage Muslim people. First of all, just to engage them, but then second of all to engage them about the gospel. And they're here at our door, people, they are our neighbors. And we have an opportunity to be equipped for that. I want to encourage you, if the Lord is leading, to take advantage of that. To be equipped to share Christ with them. To engage them. And then there's just the equipping for entrusting the things of the faith. Second Timothy 2.2 And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. I, I want to ask you this question. This has to do with some of the core truths of the, of, of the gospel and his word and living it out. But if somebody who's just brand new to the faith or inquiring about the faith said, tell me what it means to follow Jesus, would you be able to lead them? That's what, something we want to equip you to do here at Berean. That doesn't mean you need to be a New Testament scholar. Doesn't mean you need to be a world-class apologist. But what does it mean to learn to abide with the living God on a day-in and day-out basis? To open His Word and to feed, to pray, and to follow Him, and to know who He is as your Savior, as your Lord, as your God. If you don't feel like you're equipped to do that, I want to challenge you to grow in that area to be equipped, and we will help you. But that is what we want to do. Who might the Lord be calling you to invest in and to help them follow Christ? Help them follow the Lord who impacts the present and eternity. And then last of all, proclaiming Christ the Great Commission on the Evangelism, the good news side of things. To go make disciples of all men, that means followers of Jesus. And if they're going to be followers, they have to believe in Him. They have to believe that God broke through in history in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how He has changed history, how He has changed your life. And there's a witness aspect to the original disciples, it was this, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's a lot in that. and uh, It could be even its own sermon. But I want to key in on witnesses. They were witnesses of the risen Christ. They're witnesses of what he had done. They're witnesses that He is the Lord. But you know what your mission is? Is to be a witness of how He's changed you. Of what He has done in you. How He has changed your life. And given you life. And there's, a, there's an international or mission missions uh, aspect of this. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Kossi's in Austria. Emily in the Middle East. Justin and Jamie going to Thailand, Haiti, Cuba. Absolutely. We need to take the gospel because everyone needs to hear. But the mission for most of us is here in Rochester, folks. It's here in Rochester. And many of our nations are coming here, by the way. We live in a, world class, a place where there's a world-class health facility, and people are coming from the nations to hear the gospel. Here's our concern. Our concern is people don't want to hear it. And that may be true. We don't know that, but let's not assume that. Let's not assume that, because here's what I do know. Here's the truths I do know. They need to hear it. They need to hear it. (laughs) One of our most familiar verses, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. People, people are going to perish if they don't have Christ in their lives. That is an eternal, eternal consequence. They need to hear it. But also it is to trust in God. It is the power of God when we share the gospel. Again, apostles, uh, the Apostle Paul will say, in Romans uh, 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, and listen to this, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. When you and I share, it is not our power. It is the power of the living God working in people through His Holy Spirit. And we have to know that, that it's not dependent upon you it's dependent upon God. You just need to be faithful. You need to be faithful. But you, don't, you know what does make it effective? Is if it's really good news to you and me. If the gospel is still good news to you after following Him for decades, and you still see how good and gracious He is, and you can express that to somebody, that you have the joy of your salvation. Boy, if that's true, that makes you the aroma of Christ. Again, it's the power of God, not you and me. But, on the other hand, God's plan A for most getting up that good news is you and me. That's his plan A. And for the most part, he doesn't have a plan B. Although he has acted in some miraculous ways in some Muslim countries and brought dreams to people. But for the most part, You and I are His his ambassadors. So, how are we doing as His ambassadors? Are you and I being shaped into men and women who are more like Christ? So when people engage us, whether they believe who Jesus is or not, they have experienced the aroma of Christ. I said, I don't know about that gym guy, but man, there's something different about him. He's got something going for him. He really believes that stuff about Jesus. Are we the aroma of Christ in that? And by the way, folks, it starts with our family. Do our children experience the Christ in us? Or do they just experience criticism? Our friends, our neighbors... Are they experiencing the aroma of Christ in us? Proclaiming Christ, we are God's plan A for that. And if you need help with that, we want to help you. Here's some opportunities, very practical, that are coming up. Again, the Bridges class. The Bridges class, I want to encourage you. If you're not plugged into a Sunday school to, to get into that class, it's an opportunity to be equipped. It's also an opportunity to take the gospel to some people that need to hear it. And this is a kind of a minor note in our. So, number one, engage. Number two, invite. On October 2nd, which is the first Sunday of October, at Soldiers Field, there's the God Loves You tour. I don't know if you've heard about it at 4 p.m. Franklin Graham, who is Billy Graham's son, is going to be doing a presentation of the gospel. And the Newsboys, if you've heard of that, that group, will be the opening band, so that's going to be a positive attraction. And not everybody's going to want to go, not everyone's going to want to hear, but here's an opportunity to invite people to hear the gospel. And I'm praying that God will use that effort to bring some more people into his kingdom because of that. So invite. Number four, number three, incarnate. On October 9th, we're going to have our second annual Sunday of service. We're not going to be meeting here. We're going to have some opportunities for us to sign up and to go be the hands and feet of Jesus in our city for them to see our love, our faith for Christ in serving this community. It's an opportunity to incarnate the love and service of Christ. And last of all, Just the everyday, the everyday, engaging our neighbors, engaging our family, loving them, loving our neighbor as ourself, and then actually telling them the reason why that's going on in our lives, because the love of Christ compels me. But my friends, we're trying to live on purpose. We're trying to affect the here and now we're trying to affect eternity and the stakes are high. So let me just read this uh, this truth out of First John 5.12. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. We need to help some people See that Jesus is life. And let God use us for that. What I've shared with you, I know, is not earth-shattering. I know you've heard it before. They're just the basics. But we have to live on purpose for Him. Pursuing God, preparing people, proclaiming Christ together. Let's be praying for what God wants to do. If he needs to start with helping us remove those obstacles from pursuing him, may God do that graciously. Let us come to be equipped, to equip and be equipped and keep engaging in the Christ, the process of being transformed into Christ's character. And let's be willing. Even if we need to pray, God help me make the best news ever known to my neighbors, to my family, to those around me. This may be the best of times for you. It may be the worst of times for you. But it's the only times we got, folks. Let's make it count. Let me pray and invite Bobby and the worship team to close this. Lord, I thank you. Uh, I thank you because you are the living God who has made us to know you, to enjoy you, to make you known. And so, Father, would you make us faithful? First of all, to pursue you, to taste and see that you are good. Would you make us faithful to continue in that equipping process of equipping ourselves and equipping others to know and to serve you, and then to be faithful with this good news, to proclaim you, Lord Jesus, the life-giving message of what you can do in transforming us. Make us faithful with the opportunities you put before us. Help us to live on purpose. And no matter what comes, help us have an impact in the right now and for eternity. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.